It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. This is Bonus Benson. This segment is officially completely off the rails. What are you talking about? Stuff we wish never aired. I will eat chalupas all day long. Come on, man. The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on The Guy Benson Show from New York City. I'm here filling in for Kennedy tonight, Fox Business, 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So maybe you'll join us there. Always glad to do the radio show here at Fox News World Headquarters. And part of the reason that I like doing it here is the production team is here. So Max is out today. He'll be back tomorrow. But we've got an amazing makeshift crew. And we're surviving without, crucially, producer Christine, who's been on vacation all of last week. She is still on vacation. So I think she was on vacation the previous Friday, then a whole week. Now, another day of vacation. It's allegedly ending tomorrow. We'll see. Quiet Wyatt has been basically running the show in her absence. And she was supposed to join us based on her own suggestion at least once, if not multiple times during home stretches last week. This was her idea. And then when poor Quiet Wyatt, who's pulling double duty, trying to book producer Christine. Her people were just saying no constantly. She's just too busy. She's just a VIP, can't be bothered. So sorry, cookies out on the lake. She can't. Oh, she has no service. Sorry, can you hear me now? No. Oh, sorry. You're breaking up on me. Just a nightmare to book, an absolute nightmare to book. So she made a promise that after a full week of snubs, she would return while technically still on vacation, to do the home stretch today because, as you may have gathered from the music coming in to the segment, if you're listening to the live broadcast, it is indeed not just her birthday, but a very big, important birthday. So before we give her an even harder time about last week, let us welcome back to the show a stranger, quite frankly, at this point, producer Christine on her 40th birthday, and Christine... Am I reliably informed that you are calling us from a spa? Is that right? I'm calling you from one of the most amazing day spas in New Jersey. I'm overlooking New York City sky. I could wave to you guys right now if you want me to. I'm overlooking the skyline of New York City. I'm ready to get into the infinity pool, and my salt cave time is coming shortly. Your what? Sorry, your, your salt cave? Yes, I'm going into a salt cave. What does that and it's like, involve? It, it, I'm not really sure. I'll let you know. But apparently it <laughs> detoxes you, which I definitely need. Like you sweat out and there's like salt blocks all around and it's 188 degrees. So I definitely, after a week and a half of shenanigans, Cookie needs to detox. And this is the perfect place. There's no booze here either. So uh, this is the perfect place for me to end. Christine. End my vacation. Are you in rehab? So my husband <laughs> wanted me to tell you that they needed one more day just to really detox me, and then I can get back to work. <laughs> <laughs> so you're, you're, you're going to go into this very hot salt cave. Now, how does yes. that interact with your body with, like, the freezing therapy? Remember, were you doing, like, cryotherapy where you go and get frozen for a couple minutes are these complimentary services yes and they have the cryo here as well so we my friend and i will be running back and forth we decided after we go do some more pool shenanigans uh we will do the salt cave and then run right into the ice box this place is i can't wait to you have to come here it's the most amazing amazing spa i'm not going to tell you where it is right now because i'm still here and we know i know we don't could follow me yeah we don't want your public to go flocking in the paparazzi you, you take so many efforts to avoid them and throw them off the scent right you're you're i can hear emergency vehicles actually they're they're after you cookie they found you. They found you <laughs> from your undisclosed location. So I guess all of your uh, your measures, your evasive measures, didn't work. But are you over the course of this spa treatment for your fortieth birthday? Are you doing like 
the works, like pedicure, manicure, facial, everything, or everything. Wow, we've done massages, we've done uh, facials. I literally was the girl with the cucumbers this morning. Um, we've done these invigorating baths where you get into a bath that's carbonated and it looks like like soda bubbles on your body, and then they bring you to this cold, cold waterfall, and you sit under there and you're freezing, and then they walk you through this foot bath that's all hard rocks. And it's like reflexology for your feet. This is this, I, I've never been happier than this place before. This I, is I, very, I say Benson Retreat here. Very, very elaborate. So you have not been in New Jersey this whole time. You were supposedly in New Hampshire, although there were some rumors that you might have been in California. Well, there was a whole story that. What? Oh, did you not hear the home stretch on Friday, Christine? I heard part of it where you accused me of uh, not being very helpful to Wyatt, and then called me Cookie the Unfriendly Ghost? Yes, I did call you Cookie the Unfriendly Ghost, because you ghosted us. You're like, hey, during the vacation, have me on the home stretch a few times, and then, just like a certain guest that's hard to book on this show, you were just (laughs) on vacation and we couldn't get in touch with you, and Wyatt every day is like, man, her people are tough. And again, I, I like to imagine that it's Megan that you have do the dirty work to just to shut it down and tell Wyatt to pound sand because mama's sipping mama's juice on the lake. How was New Hampshire? Did the weather get better, I hope? It was not It was not great. The last two days were, were good enough that we could get on the boat and get some sun and have some fun, you know, riding around. But, no, the weather, it, it was it was bad. It rained. We had to do it. That's why, like, when Wyatt would call, I was in the middle of the movies with the kids. Or we were trying to do different things with them to keep them entertained because we didn't want to just keep them in the house all day. Um, we've had definitely better weeks up in New Hampshire. I didn't see Governor Sununu, Chris. I don't know. I thought I would meet him at the same place, you know, at the same time, like last year. It's your thing. No such luck. Yeah, no such luck. So we'll work on that for next year. But I have to say, I really miss you guys. Like, I'm actually, I I had a great time off, but I'm looking forward to getting back to the show, working with you guys. Like, I I said to my family over the week, I'm so lucky because they were all dreading going back to work. And I said, I'm really lucky I don't have that feeling. And I truly mean it. Like, it's a, it's a cool feeling, and at 40, to, to have a great job with great, I mean, my best friends, uh, it, it, it's great. I'm, I'm happy. I couldn't be a happier girl right now. Well, that is very kind of you to say, so let me say something unkind, which is oh, we did wonder if maybe you weren't deliberately avoiding us last week, but you had just sort of forgotten or it slipped your mind that you had committed to doing it because i mean now that you're 40 you know you're sort of getting up there you might forget some things is that the true explanation or was this a deliberate snub no no it really wasn't i I, if i could have you know asked them to pull the boat over i would have but i feel like my family just wasn't going to be accommodating with that so no, I and I and th- Wyatt, I really appreciate that Wyatt. I noticed fled the fifth and didn't say anything negative about producer Cookie. So I have trained Wyatt pretty well. Well, so except I will, uh, except he was the one who gave me the idea. Maybe you know it was it was Friday's show, wasn't it, where we played the clip from Kennedy? Yeah, where there was a woman who had to be rescued by firefighters in California, stuck wedged between two buildings, naked. And Wyatt suggested that this might have been you, which is why I was wondering if you truly were still in New Hampshire. So that was all Wyatt. So he's also he's learning from both of us, Christine. He's learning from both of us here. So how does it feel to be 40? Any different? You know what? I actually woke up this morning and I got a little panicky. I had like that moment of like sadness, like, oh, you know, I'm 40, like, you know, taking a reflection of what have I accomplished, you know, my personal life, my career and everything. And then throughout the day, especially at the spa, I'm like, oh, I'm 40. I, we, we're, we're doing good here. We're, we're good. And I watched a very, very um, inspirational video by the one and only Judge Judy, who said, when you turn 40, you're just getting started. So I'm going to take those words and Cookie's just getting started. So no, look that's out, guys. That's terrifying to hear you say that. <laughs> Judge Judith Scheinlin, I believe. Yes, uh, she I love she does her. not mess around. Now, you waking up feeling a little bit panicky is not necessarily unusual, though, right? That's sort of well, well yeah. 
par for the course. So that might actually suggest that things are just the same. Being Nothing has changed from your 30s to your 40s. You're still waking up in a panic. That's ever going to change, but you know, maybe a little more inspiration from Judge. Maybe we should book Judge Judy. Actually, you know what? That's what we're going to do. We're going to book Judge Judy. We're going to talk to her. I would absolutely interview Judge Judy. I would be scared. I feel like she's even (gasps) tougher than Judgey Joyce. I wonder if Judge Joyce and Judge Judy would get along. I think they might. Uh, Yeah, Judge. We, uh, we went out to dinner last night with Judgey Joyce, and we asked her for words of inspiration as I turned 40, and she just looked at me like I was crazy. She's like, get over it. It's a number. Come on. <laughs> you know, no, no, no nothing. nothing from her. Nothing, no, nothing. From, nothing from your mother. Well, from us, nothing. we are wishing you a very happy 40th birthday, and you're doing this marathon at the spa. I cannot imagine what you're racking up on the credit card. Poor Bobby. It seems like a big one. This is a big Can one. Can I tell you, my lunch, my see, all I got was a Caesar salad with chicken, and it was $25. He's got to go nuts. Was it good? You know, it was not It was not great. I mean, mm. it, it was okay, but uh, no, the Coca-Cola I got, or the Diet Coke, was five ninety nine. What? Yes. Dang, these prices at rehab are getting out of control, but we're excited that we'll have you back I'm here. Not at re- no, 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 you can't. Tell people I'm at rehab. I'm not at, at a spa. It's a day spa. Okay, That's so it's, calling, it's okay? restoration and rehabilitation. <laughs> That's what we'll call it. I think that works. And it and also a birthday celebration. After more than a week of vacation, it's the last hurrah before it's back to the grind here on the show. And not to stress you out further and to send you into the evening in a panic, tomorrow's going to be quite a squeeze for us because... I have a train first thing in the morning to get back to D.C. I then have to do all of my laundry, repack, do the show from my house, then pack up all the equipment, repack, Uh, get to the airport, and fly to Indiana for a speaking engagement. I'm not even spending one night at my house. So it's going to be a seat of our pants day tomorrow. We will have a terrific, many people are saying tremendous, show tomorrow. But behind the scenes, Christine, it's not just going to be like an easing back into it thing. So I hope that you come with your game face ready and hopefully fully relaxed from your day at the restorative and rehabilitatory, if that's a word, experience that you are currently enjoying. And I will let you go before the sort of rehab boss comes back and orders you back to the group conversation uh, for your... For your therapy or, you know, where you all do accountability or whatever. Uh, but I'm glad that the detox is nearly complete. I can't with you. My husband really tried to steal my phone to get Wyatt's number yesterday. And he was going to call in from the, the head of the center of the rehab place saying that uh, we just need one more day. And we think we'll get all the mama's juice out. <laughs> and I forbade him for doing that. <laughs> So then we made the joke anyway, and I didn't even know. See, there's a theme here. Obviously, you're not at rehab, but I'm making the joke. Your husband's making the joke. So there's a grain of truth. And with that, we'll let you go for one final exciting night, your first night in your 40s. Congratulations for making it this far. Many people said you wouldn't, but you have. We are thrilled for you. Happy birthday, Christine. And we're looking forward to having you back full-time running this ridiculous show tomorrow oh i'm ready just be ready you guys be ready all the guests out there that i'm gonna harass in the morning you be ready everybody be ready yeah all right so uh buckle up folks cookie's coming back tomorrow tonight i'm on kennedy fox business network 8 p.m eastern time we'll see you there and back here on the radio tomorrow have a great night Home stretch on the Guy Benson show. So let's see. For July 4th week, I was gone. Then producer Christine started her vacation early, the Friday of that same week. Took the ensuing week off. Took yesterday off. Max was off yesterday and Friday. So it has been quite some time since we've had this whole crew together really virtually, over the radio, but in one place working on the show. I mean, it was down to me and Quiet Wyatt, Friday and Monday. 
and Justin helped us, but, I mean, we were able to keep this thing on the tracks barely. But now we are made whole again, the team of four here at the Guy Benson Show. And we'll say that it feels so good, because those are the lyrics of, of the song, the reunited and it feels so good song. But I feel like at this stage, producer Christine, as you alluded to yesterday, because you joined us by phone for the home stretch, you were ready to jump back into this. I feel like you're a very hardworking person, and to have seven consecutive work days off, I'm sure was enjoyable, but maybe pushing the far edge of what like your internal clock and motor will allow. Yeah, that was, that was enough days for me, probably even a little. By the way, who told you I was off that Friday before? Because you were not here. So I want to know who ratted me out. I, I have keep that very quiet. No, I have informants. I have informants. Yeah. And I was actually a little bit taken aback by that because I was like, Ooh. is the, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday and Monday. Is that not good enough? And it's not like you were traveling abroad. I mean, you were staying in the Northeast, but, I mean, you do you. I wasn't here, but that that's an awful lot of time off. Maybe I have to crack the whip and make sure that you're here for the rest of the summer, just chained to your desk, because the show barely survived without you, by which I mean, actually, we were fine, and we actually got some really good guests that we were unable to book, in fact, when you were working, like the governor of Texas. Whoa, I mean, whoa. I, I'm just, oh, I'm just going to know. So we, we couldn't get Greg Abbott. Then you go on this luxurious, <laughs> very extended vacation, and bang, all of a sudden we're getting yeses from people. I mean, I don't know. Does Quiet Wyatt have some, some magic? I'll, I'll just be kind and say that you've trained him very well. Sorry, Wyatt, to do this to you. But let's not forget, Cookie booked a lot of the show before Cookie left. It is true. To make sure Quiet White had yeah, you booked time. You booked at least one guest per day for that whole week. That is true. But not That's Greg Abbott. Week. Not Greg not Abbott. Not Greg Abbott. No, I, I, that, was a, that was a good booking on Quiet White's part. No, not Greg Abbott. But, um, you know, I feel so comfortable enough that I've trained Quiet Wyatt so well that I can take <laughs> off as many days as I need to to yep. relax, um, you know, some rehabilitation, I mean, some just rest <laughs> and relaxation. Because you're, you're back from your spa day yesterday, which some people may describe as being discharged from your rehab facility, but it seemed like you had a nice day. That spa, I wish, I wish everybody could go to that spa for one day because it was unbelievable. I spent eight hours there. Oh, That's my gosh. how much fun it was. Eight hours at a spa? Yes. Oh, I feel like I would this be bored. Was... Bored, bored, bored no. after like two hours. Like, give me a few treatments and let me out. Were you glowing? What, were you glowing on your big 4-0 because of all of these special, expensive treatments that they were putting you through? Well, I, I was for a while, but then I came home with this raging, raging migraine. And what Bobby and I, what Bobby and I realized is I was doing so many saunas and so many salt caves and clay caves, I dehydrated myself yep. so badly that I gave myself a headache. Go figure. Only Cookie would come back. You got to hydrate. <laughs> you got to hydrate and not with what you would want to drink. Like you have to hydrate with water. Or Gatorade, not Mama's Juice, which is actually a desiccant. So you probably, maybe next time before you put yourself through eight hours of this, you should talk to one of the doctors here at Fox, and they can give you a few tips to avoid a raging migraine at the very end of the first day of your 40s. That, that's an inauspicious start, Cookie. It, it was a rough start. Uh, it, was, it was an early bedtime for Cookie. So, Bobby was a little surprised. So yesterday in general was a very busy day because I had meetings in the morning. Then I had, of course, my usual writing at townhall.com. I had this show, three hours. I had guest hosting for Kennedy between 8 and 9 in primetime. That's a live show. I had another conference call for another project I'm working on. It was just a lot, and I didn't get all my writing done, so I had to do that after Kennedy's show, like starting at 10 p.m. 
So it was a long day, and I had an early morning today to get on the train to get from New York down to D.C. in time to do the show, do some laundry, repack everything, and then I'm heading back to the airport. So I'm not even spending one night at home, which is kind of a bummer because I miss Adam. I miss Roy, the dog. I would like to spend one night in my bed, but look, it is what it is, and I spent so much time in this house during COVID. We'll all be fine, but the point is it was a pretty frenetic pace. So after Kennedy's show, so it's 9 o'clock. I'm in Midtown. I'm hungry because I had not really eaten on a normal schedule. I'd had a salad for lunch at like 11 a.m., and now it's 9 p.m., so it had been 10 hours. But I also didn't want to eat a huge, heavy dinner, even though I was quite hungry, right before bed. Plus, I'm trying to, you know, exercise more and be a little bit better with my diet. And yet... I could not resist the siren song as I walked by of Chick-fil-A. So here's what I decided to do. I go into the Chick-fil-A. I got their chicken nuggets, which are very small, but very good. So I got a 12-piece of their little small chicken nuggets, and then I got a side salad. Then I had a Coke Zero, no surprise there. So this is actually a very responsible meal. Little chicken morsels, side salad, Coke Zero. There were two other products that I really wanted but I knew I didn't want to do all the carbs, all the calories, so I was, I was struggling. Here's why I ended up doing. This was my bargain with myself. I wanted waffle fries, and I was not planning on this, but I walked in and I saw on the menu the seasonal item that I've not had since 2012, actually, and I remember this because I had it for the first and only time previously on a road trip driving from D.C. down to Charlotte for the Democratic National Convention in 2012. But I remembered this so well, even though it's been, whatever, nine years, as soon as I saw it, I said, I really want to have that. And that is Chick-fil-A's summer peach milkshake. Oh my goodness, I wanted it so badly. But I'm looking at that, uh, that calorie count, which is, I believe, 600 calories for the milkshake. And I said, is, is there a small? And they said, no, it's just one size. They said it very nicely because they're extremely nice at Chick-fil-A. And they say, my pleasure and all that stuff. So I made the decision, and I was like agonizing over it. And I think they actually almost were amused by this whole little performance. But I truly was trying to decide what to do. I got a small waffle fry order. And I got the peach milkshake. And the bargain that I made was I'm going to eat half of the fries and stop. And I'm going to drink at most half of this milkshake, and stop. And by the way, what's so good about the milkshake is not only does it have, it's not an overwhelming flavor, but it's just, it's subtle. It's got a little whipped cream on top, which is so good. And then chunks of peach, real peach, in the milkshake. Oh, it is fantastic. So I had the meal in my hotel room all in front of me, and I ate all the chicken, I ate all the salad, I drank the Coke Zero, And I have to just pat myself on the back because it was very hard. I stopped halfway through the fries. The milkshake was even harder because I was just, it was just like saying, drink me. It was that delicious. So I drank half of it and then I marched over to the bathroom and I poured it down the sink, the rest of it. I said, "I, I need to literally have it no longer available for me to even look at or consider drinking. And that's how I... I upheld my bargain with myself, but it took quite a lot of self-restraint. But I guess I pulled it off. Christine, you have to try. Have you had the peach milkshake? I have not, and now I feel like I want to uh, end the show and go get one. Maybe Megan will split it with me. Yes, do that. Two straws. Yeah, yeah. Because then I could just take a couple sips to try it yes. and then just give it to her. You're because not going to be able amazing. to stop. I know. That's my problem. I mean, it's the same thing with mama's juice. Once you start, you can't. Oh, what? <laughs> different. Different. Different reasons. Different, different. So yeah. we might have to send you to a different rehab for peach milkshake. <laughs> Once you try it, 
and and just to be clear, he, she didn't actually go to rehab. In case anyone is not picking no. up, that's a joke. I want to. I just want to. We we give her a hard time. She she did not have to go to. She went to a spa for her fortieth birthday. I I just wanted to clarify that. But no, seriously, you have to try this peach milkshake. It is. I will say it is worth the calories. It is worth the calories. It's that good. And they only have it a few months out of the year. So it's not like you can get addicted to it and just have it year-round. It comes in the summer. It's a, it's a very summer, fresh kind of taste for a milkshake. It's the chunks of peach that really do it for me. I think I could even, you know, not do the fries, not do the chicken nuggets. I think I can go just for the milkshake. Okay. So That's also, also an option. Yeah, yeah, but that, now, it's, it's, that's going to happen. In the meantime, this morning, I got up early to get the train to get back to D.C. in time, and I knew that I wasn't going to make it for this you know, four-hour train ride without something to eat. So I was at Penn Station a little bit early, and I saw a place that had bagels. So I walked over there, and bagels are something I don't indulge in often, but I was in New York and I was like, we've talked about bagels on this show multiple times. And it had been, I would say, years since I had a bagel, honestly. So, I, yep, so I marched right over. I got a sesame seed bagel, lightly toasted, with a chive cream cheese and lox. And then a fresh-squeezed orange juice. And I brought that on the train, and I was so excited. But again, I was like, okay, this is not exactly a super healthy breakfast. And it's like it's a carb bomb first thing in the day. So my deal with myself was I was going to eat half of the bagel almost kind of like open-faced. And I mostly was able to keep disciplined. I had half the bagel with all of the cream cheese and lox, and then I may have had like one or two stray bites of the other side of like the bagel bread. Oh, it was so good, and I was reminded why bagels are fantastic. But I'm I'm done, I think, for a while with bagels. But I, I do wonder, especially Max, did my order meet with your approval? That is approved, Guy. Thank you. <laughs> there was a slight delay. He had to think about it, but uh, the, the algorithm came back, and it is approved, and it was awesome. So I've done a little bit of treating myself for my last few meals, but with the catch. And I've also been pretty good about working out. It's just like, Christine, you know, the metabolism. You get in your 30s, and it's just like, oh, you have to work a little harder for stuff. And then, I mean, you'll have to tell me about your 40s because I'm still – a ways off from that, but you're there. Welcome to your 40s, Christine. Happy birthday. Welcome back. Well, thanks. The gang's all here. We're reunited. It feels so good. We'll be back here tomorrow from Indianapolis, Indiana. It'll be the Guy Benson Show. We'll talk to you then. Homestretch here on the Guy Benson Show. Hi, Indianapolis, Indiana. You look great. And the rest of you, you all look fabulous. Thank you for listening. GuyBensonShow.com, podcast always free. And it's not really hard to swindle us here at the show into talking about food, because we do it almost all the time, almost every show, it feels like. And today is, in fact, National Hot Dog Day. Hot dogs being a product that I enjoy, that I eat from time to time, and never, ever, ever want to know what is in this quasi-food product. I just don't want to know. It's meat, and that's fine. And it's really about the toppings. I don't mind a hot dog that's, you know, steamed or boiled. I like them grilled. Sometimes you can fry them up in a frying pan. You broil them. I'm not that picky. But Barstool Sports tweeted out a photo, a series of photos, in fact, that were destined to become controversial. The question in the tweet, in honor of National Hot Dog Day, what number is the correct way to eat a hot dog? So there are six options that they've given America. And it's about the toppings. The buns all look basically the same with one exception. So image number one is a hot dog with yellow American mustard generously drizzled across the top. Pretty standard. Hot dog number two, 
is ketchup and nothing else on the hot dog sitting in that bun. Option three is the hot dog in a bun covered, and it looks like yellow mustard and relish. There are some flecks of red. I thought for a second that might be ketchup, but I think it's just part of the relish. So it's mustard, yellow mustard, and relish. Option four is the hot dog with sauerkraut and yellow mustard. Option five, now here you've got the bun looks a little toasted or grilled in this case, which is delicious. But I think the key is the toppings. Hot dog, chili, red onions, shredded cheese. And finally, option six, that's just the Chicago-style hot dog. With the poppy seed bun, you've got mustard, you've got iridescent green relish. You know when it's like so green, it looks like it came out of some sort of nuclear plant? That's what we're seeing here. And then a pickle, slices of tomato, and little peppers. That is the Chicago-style hot dog. So those are your six options. So we were texting about it on the group thread, and we had differences of opinion here. Let me just start by ruling out, from my perspective, number six, the Chicago hot dog. Never got into them when I was living in Chicago. Never really got into deep dish pizza either. Sorry, Chicago. You've got great food in a lot of ways. And there's like Pequod's pizza, fantastic. Occasionally some Lou Malnati's. But I am much, much, much more of a New York pizza guy. We've talked about this. Chicago-style pizza isn't really pizza. It's like like a, a casserole or something other than pizza. And I don't, with all respect... I don't like all the toppings on a Chicago-style hot dog, which is ironic because I actually like each of the toppings. I like pickles. I love tomatoes. I like peppers. The way that they pile these things onto a hot dog, it's just unnatural and strange. So I'm ruling out number six. I'm not against any of the other options. I would eat any of the other ones. But I do personally have a favorite, but you have to pick. Right? From Barstool, the question is, which is correct? One, two, three, four, five, or six. So, Wyatt, what was your answer? My answer was number two. That is not surprising. Just a hot dog with ketchup, and that's all. Now, this is controversial. Some people say you should never put ketchup on a hot dog. I don't believe that. I don't like ketchup as the only topping for a hot dog. If you have to pick just one topping, it's mustard, in my opinion. I like a spicy brown mustard more than an American yellow, but not ketchup. But Wyatt has cast his vote. Producer Christine, your vote. Number four, sauerkraut, mustard. Sauerkraut. I, I had forgotten, even though we've talked about sauerkraut somewhat recently, I'd forgotten, I just put it out of my mind, that you're a big sauerkraut gal. I don't mind Love. it. I don't hate it. But it would never be at the top of my list. So sauerkraut and mustard, that's your call. All right, Max. I'm still stuck between number one, which is just plain mustard, or number five with the chili cheese dog. You know me with a lot of toppings, chili, cheese, and I even see there's a little red onion on top, which gives a nice little kick. Overall, I think I would choose number five, actually. Except, here's my argument on that. At some point, a chili cheese dog almost becomes a separate food than a hot dog. Like, I know there's a hot dog component to it, but now you've got multiple other types of food on this creation. I feel like if the question is how to properly eat a hot dog, I would argue, within your own reasoning, I would argue that, number one, just the mustard is the correct answer to that simple question. Yeah, I don't like the way this is worded. What's the correct way? I mean, all of them are kind of correct. Maybe besides of number four, the sauerkraut and mustard, Christine. I think sauerkraut tastes like a shoe that's been sitting in the rain for a long time or something. <laughs> it's just so sour and, and smelly. I don't know. A, a shoe that's been sitting in the rain. Okay. <laughs> but, I mean, like, like I said, all of them are correct, but I preferably, if I were to give the option, say if I was at a, a cookout or something or a barbecue, I'd choose number five if they had the chili and the cheese all right. and all the ingredients. All right. I'm going with number three where you've got the mustard and the relish. I really like relish. I would say the critique is there's a little too much relish in this exact photo, 
And as I said, I prefer the spicy brown mustard. But if you have brown mustard, relish, and yes, a little bit of ketchup. I like ketchup to be in the taste profile. I like to have it included, just not on its own for the hot dog. That's my answer. And people are all yelling at each other. And it's extremely unimportant. I I cannot underscore how unimportant this is. It matters so little, and yet it's so fun to talk about. And I can't help but raise a certain memory here, since we're on the subject of hot dogs. One of the first things I ever learned about producer Christine is that, I want to say a decade or more ago, earlier in her radio career, she lost a bet or something, and she had to go out into Times Square in a hot dog costume. Now, that wouldn't be that unusual these days, because there's a lot of weird characters in plush costumes out in Times Square taking money for photos, and it's gross. So maybe she actually would make a few bucks out there these days. But she lost a bet, and in this case, she actually paid up, because she still owes us French onion soup on a lost bet from at least a year ago. I want Like 2019, 2020, she lost a bet. We've played it back. We have it on the record. And she still refuses to actually pay up because she lost. And this is why I don't bet with her anymore, because she is a sore loser and a liar when it comes to these things. So she needs to drink French onion soup if she wants to get the liar label removed. But that's it, it still applies. But in this case, she did the supposedly embarrassing thing. See, this is the thing. I think she lost this bet and was delighted to lose the bet. I think she wanted to be in that hot dog suit. What was the context here, Christine? Why were you waltzing around in public dressed as a wiener? Ooh, I lost a bet years ago. I had said that Anthony Wiener was going to be the next mayor of New York City. And I really, truly believed it. So much so that I said, if he loses, put me in a wiener costume and get me in Times Square. And unfortunately, that's, well, I mean, I guess fortunately for the city, unfortunately for Cookie, I was out in the middle of Times Square asking, I had to buy a round of hot dogs and then my costume asked if anybody wanted my wiener. Is that a thing, a round of hot dogs? And I will say, having seen the photo, frankly, you do look ridiculous, but you look like you're having a pretty good time. And this goes to my theory. I think you were very happy. I think you wanted this. I think that you enjoyed this supposed humiliation, which is why, as I said, it was. I learned about this very early on in our relationship. There's a lot of layers of the cookie onion that get peeled off from time to time, and I learn things, and I'm sort of blown away that I never learned them before. I saw this photo of you in the hot dog suit very early, and you tend to bring it up in conversation a lot. And when you're meeting new people, it's, hi, I'm Christine. I work at Fox News Radio. Can I tell you such an embarrassing story? Look at me in this hot dog costume. I think you love the hot dog costume. I think this is part of your icebreaker routine. You want people to see this. You have a strange, twisted pride in this whole incident. You relish this, if you will. I think you want to do it again. That's what I think. I definitely don't. So thank you very much. But no, it was very embarrassing. Um, I don't know what else to say. I mean, you tell me though. It is a great story. Come but on. But if it's it's so what embarrassing, it's like it's like within within ten minutes of meeting a stranger, you're showing people this photo on your phone. That is not true. Not true. I think it's true. And I will never, I will never be in a hot dog costume again. Mark my words. Yeah, maybe you'll be in a hot dog costume eating French onion soup because you were wrong about Anthony Weiner. You were wrong about Hillary Clinton running for president in 2020, which was the bet that you lost with me and then haven't paid up because, because, frankly, you lied about this. Christine, you live for this. And this whole thing of, oh, no, it's, it's, so, it's so bad. It's so embarrassing. It reminds me of, like, hot people on Instagram, thoughts, you might even call them who will post some, like, very posed, revealing photo of themselves on the beach or, you know, in a swimsuit or shirtless for the guys or whatever, and then the caption will be like, look at me being so lazy. It's like people want others to see this. This is you in the hot dog costume, I'm convinced. We need to get that photo and tweet it. At Guy Benson Show. 
Wyatt, tweet out producer Christine in the costume. She'll get a kick out of it. She'll love it. She'll be counting the likes and retweets all night long. Guy Benson Show on Twitter. Guy Benson Show from Indiana, back here tomorrow. Talk to you then. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. New from the Fox News Podcasts Network. My name is Kennedy, and welcome to my podcast, which will, I humbly say, single-handedly save the world. You're welcome. It's Kennedy Saves the World. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. Pushing towards the weekend. It's the home stretch here on the Guy Benson Show on this Thursday. I've been in Indianapolis the last two days, and in fact, I'll do the show from here again tomorrow, as it turns out. In the evening after the show, hopping on a plane and heading for the first time, you won't be shocked that it's not a direct flight from Indianapolis, but via Denver, I'll be traveling to Idaho for the first time. And I'm very excited, not just to speak to this group and go to a beautiful place, Coeur d'Alene, Idaho, which I've heard just amazing things about the lake and the resort there, and I'm excited to see it. It seems, based on photos and everything, just to be pristine and gorgeous. Maybe a little cold in the wintertime, but we're in the heart of the summer, which is great. But I also enjoy checking new states and countries, for that matter, off of my list. I'm an inveterate traveler. It's always been in my blood, and I'm getting awfully close to having been to all 50 states in our great country. I've been sitting on 47 for a while now. Idaho will be 48. So I only have two more to go. And one of them I'm almost ashamed to say because it's so close to where I live. It doesn't make any sense. But I have not been to West Virginia. That's not a bad drive at all. People that I know from D.C. and Northern Virginia, they drive to do hikes and that sort of thing in West Virginia Harper's Ferry, I mean, drop of a hat. You could just go last minute. It's that close. But it just has never popped up on my schedule. For whatever reason, we've never done it. At some point, of course, I will. I have to get to all 50. And there's no way I'm going to allow West Virginia to stand in the way. And if you're listening in West Virginia, hello, I'm waving at you. I will get there at some point, hopefully soon. The other one, so that would be 49, the 50th, the last one after Idaho, when I touch down tomorrow, will be Arkansas. So if you're a listener in Arkansas, you've got a conservative group, invite me down. i got to get to Arkansas. Maybe I'll come in during the fall, one of these years, either this fall or next fall, see a Razorbacks game, check some SEC football. Talked about SEC football with Will Kane earlier. But that's it. Arkansas, Idaho, West Virginia, in alphabetical order. My last three. With Idaho, that box getting checked, God willing, tomorrow. So, yeah, I'm kind of excited about it. 47, I mean, it's, it's a pretty good number. I think it's a strong number. I am willing to bet that I'm probably high atop the list here at the team. I asked them to calculate the states that they've been to. So let's go around the horn. You know where I am. 47, almost 48. Wyatt, how many states have you been to? So I counted and 13. Unlucky number 13. Oh, okay. So you, I would imagine, mostly in the northeast, yes? Yes. Mostly northeast, east coast. we got to get you to branch out. Max, how many have you been to? Ten. But that's that's not including the states that I've driven through. Okay, so we might have to address the formula, what counts and what doesn't count. So you're saying there are some states that you left off your list that you have driven through but not done anything in. Correct. Okay, so you are counting 10. 10 is not a very high number. That's by my rudimentary math is 20%. You are missing out on 80% of these United States thus far, Max. So... I want you to think about that. I want you to put together a plan of action to improve that number. Producer Christine, please tell me you're a little higher. 19. Okay. Slightly more respectable, but 
no one's even above the halfway yeah, mark besides me. Oh, man. Maybe, maybe, Christine, you need to plan a road trip with your best friends and stop you? in a whole bunch of states. I've been to them, though, so it's just Max and Wyatt. I'm volunteering them. I can well, hear them but the best part grumbling about our already. road trip was you could, you know, give us all the useful information of each state. No, no. I, I think Wyatt can probably, you know, he reads encyclopedias <laughs> for pleasure at night, so he can probably be the tour guide. Max can drive. And you can, I was going to say, provide adult supervision, but it's probably the other way around. You can drink, because you won't be driving. I can't drink in the car. That's probably true. Even through a straw? That's probably an open container. I don't, I don't want to get the driver, i.e. Max, in any trouble. So Max brought up a fair point, though. What really qualifies a state visit? Like, what counts? Because if you've just driven through, in his mind... It doesn't count. I tend to agree. I feel like you have to have done something of note, even like having a meal, for example. And just being in the airport doesn't count in my book. Although, I will contradict myself very briefly, I would argue that I've been to Ireland, for example, when I'm counting countries. I would argue, uh, and I'm not fully committed to this, but I would generally say that I've been to Ireland for this reason. You remember when we took the show on the road, I did some of the show from Brussels and then Russia because I was on a trip with the Secretary of State, Mike Pompeo, back during the Trump administration. I was part of the press delegation. He invited me along. We got an interview with him. It was great. We had to stop on the way back from Sochi, Russia. The aircraft that we were on wasn't big enough didn't have the fuel capacity to get from Russia back to Washington, D.C. and Andrews Air Force Base, I guess it's Joint Base Andrews now, in one nonstop trip. We had to stop for refueling in Shannon, Ireland. So we stopped. Yes, we sat on the tarmac, but there was an opportunity to get off the plane. It was middle of the night, probably 2 a.m., something like that, and my whole internal clock was totally messed up because I'd been in so many different time zones, I didn't know where I was. But I got off the plane. It was maybe an hour-long refueling process, and they had one bar open for this purpose with a bartender. There was Guinness that you could get. So I had – I'm not a big dark beer guy, but just on principle, I had a little bit of Guinness in Ireland served to me by an Irish bartender off the plane, and I would at least say that that half counts. And I've already mentioned on the air that Northwestern's supposed to play Nebraska in football next season in Dublin. I'm planning to go to that. So that would fully count, obviously, going for a full weekend and seeing a sporting event and all that. So I'd say I've kind of been to Ireland. But for my state-by-state tour here over the course of my life and my career, I would say at least a meal outside of an airport would qualify as a state visit. Like, for instance... My senior year of college for spring break, we drove from Chicago to Big Sky, Montana. And on the way out, we stopped at, because we went through South Dakota, we stopped at Mount Rushmore, got out of the car, took a picture, and then kept going. I count that. I've been to South Dakota. I saw Mount Rushmore. My feet were on the ground. It was a tourist attraction check. On the way back, we stopped in North Dakota for a meal. Check. Those are examples of sort of quasi-borderline, but I would absolutely defend the proposition that I have been to both Dakotas, just as an example. What is your definition, Christine, of what would count, that you would feel comfortable defending with a straight face? If your body, your feet have touched the ground in that state, you have been to that state. You didn't ask us if we were, you know, sightseeing the states. You said, what states have you been to? I was in the airport in South Carolina, so I counted that. But you never left the airport? I did not. Yeah, I mean, technically you were physically there. Yeah. I just, yeah, I mean, I, I get it. Under that strict definition, I think it counts. I'm, I just, I'm not sure how much it counts. 
And here's the I thing. Just, Let's I, say you're if you're driving through, if you're driving through the state, this is to Max's point, your feet aren't on the ground, but you are physically, like if there was a GPS tracker on where you were, and the authorities were trying to track you down, Christine, for whatever reason, could be one of any number, frankly, and they're like, well, where is she? Oh, she's in blank, because that's where you are geographically. Your feet aren't on the ground. Like, let's say you're driving through Ohio to get from the East Coast to Chicago or something. You're driving through Ohio. Your feet never touch the ground. You drive straight through the state. Have you been there? Yes. If your body was in that state, you've been there. And honestly, I would argue if you drove through the state, that would even be more of you being in the state than me at the airport. You're actually seeing more of the state. Because then you start getting into technicalities as well. Like, based on my definition, if you drive straight through Ohio and you never stop, you just say, you know, you see the sign, welcome to Ohio, Mike DeWine, governor, and then all of a sudden you're in Indiana where I am now and you never even stop, I don't really know if that should count. But let's say you pull off the highway for six minutes to get a Coke Zero, for example, and refuel. Now your feet have been on the ground. Does that all of a sudden count because you went to a completely nondescript, could-be-anywhere rest stop? I mean, technically, I guess the answer is yes, but in the spirit of this exercise, I'm not really sure. Like, Max, you, Max, under your rubric, would stopping for gas count or not? Yeah, I think so. Because you've been to the state. You've touched down. Your feet are on the ground walking around. Doesn't matter where you are. If you're getting a burger on the highway or stopping for the restroom. As long as your feet or body has physically touched the grounds of the state, I think you've been to that state. But if you only drove, so you're in the car the whole time, that does not count to you. No, you've been through the state. You haven't been but to your body the state. Was, no, no, I, you guys I, are I, so wrong. You're, I have another point I want to bring up. You know please. the uh, four points uh, between, was it Utah, Colorado, New Mexico, and Arizona? and Arizona? Does that mean you've been to four states in, you know, in that short amount of time? Or have you just gone to the one state that you're actually vacationing in? That's an interesting question. Because technically what you could do, I guess, is go to the exact point where the borders all meet and put your feet over that. And you would have little parts of your feet in each of the states. You'd be in four states at the same time. I think that probably counts. Like if you hopscotch and you're just like doing little jumps or even doing like a, <laughs> like a little dance... I'm actually literally doing the dance in my hotel room as I make this point. Uh, I I feel like you have just been to four states. I mean, and certainly under your definition, Christine, that's four states, right? 100%. 100%. And if you are driving through a state and you see a sign that says, Welcome to Ohio, that sign is telling you you're in Ohio, which means you have been to that state. Okay, I mean, the that end. is... I went. That's a fairly compelling case. I will admit it. Now, there are people who are going to say they're purists. They'll have to, like, Wyatt, you were saying you have to spend a night in the state. That's your position, right? I mean, I think, or at least a full day, or I think a meal is even pushing. I think you need to be there. Like, you need to experience something in the state. Driving down the highway, I mean, I don't think that's enough. See, and a lot of people right now are being like, thank you, Quiet Wyatt. Thank you for speaking up. That's obviously (laughs) true. And you'd get some pretty passionate arguments about this because there'll be the the technicality people like Christine who would say it all counts. And then kind of middle ground folks with Max being closer to Christine. I'm a little bit closer to Wyatt. But then Wyatt is the experiential argument saying some no-name highway experience just doesn't doesn't cut it. And I'm open to that argument, but based on, I don't want to be a hypocrite, based on my own definition, I've been to 47, soon to be 48 states. And so I'm sticking with my definition. And by the way, if I adopted other definitions, like more capacious definitions, more generous definitions, it still wouldn't change the fact that I haven't been to Arkansas. I have driven through a tiny piece of West Virginia before, like cutting through. I am not counting that as having been to West Virginia. I have to go back and actually set foot in that state and do something before I count it. 
So West Virginia, under Christine's definition, I'm already at 48, waiting on 49. But based on my definition, which is the one that counts, for me at least, I'm at 47, and then hopefully 48 tomorrow, Idaho, heading your way. And we will broadcast first the show back here from Indiana tomorrow afternoon, 3 to 6 p.m. Eastern time. Looking forward to it. We will talk to you then. It's The Guy Benson Show. Home stretch on this Friday. We're almost there. Almost to the weekend. Thank you very much for listening. So, as I've mentioned repeatedly these last few days, I've been doing the show from Indianapolis, Indiana. And yesterday I spoke. It was like a armchair conversation. Young Republicans event. Some Q&A. Very fun. And on stage I was wearing sort of my typical uniform, if you will, for these types of things. Button-down shirt, sport coat, jeans, and like comfortable but somewhat nice shoes. Right, So kind of looking fairly official. Didn't wear a tie, but other than that, sort of the look that I would have on TV. So last night, one of the activities at this convention was everyone was given a free ticket to the minor league baseball game. And the stadium is right next to the hotel. Indianapolis has two pro teams, right, the Colts from the NFL, Pacers from the NBA. And then for baseball, they have a triple-A affiliate, I believe, of the Pittsburgh Pirates. But they are the Indianapolis Indians. So I wonder if that name's going to have to go. Because now the Cleveland Indians, as we mentioned earlier, have changed their name to the Guardians. Anyway, they're still the Indians here in Indianapolis. And actually, that makes me wonder, does Indianapolis need to change the name? Indiana itself. You've got the offensive word supposedly right in there. You've got to rename everything. We'll get the wokes on that. Anyway, it's a very nice little stadium. I looked it up. The capacity is roughly 12,000. It's beautiful. And it was a pleasant evening out, and I was dressed down. Because after the show, I went to the gym, I put on a t-shirt, I put on a baseball cap, and then I went over and was mingling and chatting with people. It was great to meet so many of these younger conservatives from around the country. And so at one point I was chatting with this guy, and we were just talking about the event and the conference And he was having a beer, I was having a beer, and he said, were you at that Guy Benson thing earlier? And I said, I was. And I said, what did you think of it? He said, oh, I really liked it. I said, I'm very glad to hear you say that. And he kind of looked at me, he was confused, and I said, I'm him. (laughs) And he was... So embarrassed, and I'm not trying to make fun of him, because in all fairness, I was looking completely different. Like, a lot of people who aren't friends with me, they know what I look like on TV with, you know, the hair combed and the tie on and the jacket, and then here I am in a complete different context with a beer in my hand, a t-shirt, a baseball cap, it just, one can be forgiven. And he was so apologetic. He's like, oh my gosh, of course it's you. It just didn't occur to me. Just the context. I'm so embarrassed. I'm like, no, it's totally, totally fine. I'm just glad that you gave me your candid answer and that you enjoyed it. <laughs> but that was funny. I wasn't really sure what to say. Were you at the Guy Benson thing? Sure was. Sure was. Anyway, appreciate the invite. It's been uh, fun being out here. And as I've been talking about, very excited to head to Idaho later this evening. Something else that's kicking off this evening the Olympic Games, delayed a year because of COVID. These games in Tokyo. I saw some protests, actually. Pretty big protests in the streets. A lot of Japanese people are not excited that these games are happening in Tokyo. Polling has showed that the overwhelming majority of people aren't into it in Japan. I think the number I saw is over 70% saying we shouldn't do this. Toyota yanked its ads off the air in Japan because they didn't want to be associated with that audience, with that market, and attaching their brand to the Olympics, which is, I think, pretty shocking for a company of that size and that prominence. 
Nevertheless, the opening ceremony airing this evening. And I'm sort of an Olympics person. Right? There are certain sports that I especially enjoy watching. Ice hockey. I'm a Winter Olympics guy. Like, I've never been to an Olympics. If I'm going to go one day, which is a bucket list item, I want to go to a Winter Olympics. Because I think the hockey is what I'm most interested in. But I also find some of the figure skating to be very impressive. I'm just more intrigued by the winter sports overall. But I'm not opposed to watching the summer games. Root for Team USA and all that. It just it doesn't quite feel as exciting or as anticipated this time. Because there's going to be no fans... Of virtually no fans in the stands, so the spectators and that whole component goes away. I'm interested to see how they do the opening ceremony. And I think it's already done. Am I wrong about that? I think, based on the time change, this is just like a, a huge tape delay, so I can probably find spoilers, like what they've actually done, because they can't have large crowds of people, even though there are large crowds of people gathering to protest the Olympics. So, you know, there you go. It just, the excitement, the build-up, it doesn't feel the same this go-around. And I don't think it will feel the same next go-around either, because that's going to be Beijing. And I'm going to have huge problems doing anything to support the Games and Olympics. To support the Olympic Games in Communist China after everything that's gone down. We've occasionally touched on that. So, I think it's unfortunate Maybe I'm alone. Maybe people are out of their minds excited and I just haven't picked up on it or I haven't felt it. That's just my perception. I do find opening ceremonies much more interesting than closing. I never watch the closing ceremony. It's just so anticlimactic. The competition's over. We know the medal counts. It's like, time to go home. It's not like a big closing party that we can actually enjoy and go have a drink. It seems superfluous. I know it's a tradition. Christine, am I wrong about this? This whole build-up to the Olympics and just not really feeling it this time? I 100% agree with you. I'm sure you feel the same way. Growing up, these two weeks were just, you know, so amazing. Like, I was glued to the TV with my family every night watching different sports, especially gymnastics. I mean, I just loved watching the gymnasts. I just don't have that feeling this year. I don't know if it's because of the pandemic or what, but I'm just, you know, if we watch it, we watch it, but it's not going to be appointment television for me. Yeah, I think that that's a good way of putting it. I did see that one of our colleagues, Pat Ward, who's a producer at Fox, he's got a very funny Twitter feed. He's Peter Ducey's producer. And he posed the question the other day, What is not an Olympic sport that should be? Because there are some sports, let's be honest, in both the summer and winter games where I'm like, how on earth is this even a thing in the Olympics? Like, there are gymnastics and figure skating events that take a lot of the skill out where you're just basically dancing. I don't get that. I always enjoyed Jerry Seinfeld's stand-up bit about the luge in the Winter Olympics. And he said, you know, you just, it's a human being flying down this, this ice track, basically. He said, could someone who didn't even want to do the luge succeed at it? He called it the involuntary luge as a new Olympic sport. He's like, oh, you know, the people who are actually in that event, he's like, oh, they, they point their toes. What a tremendous athlete. So why don't you just grab a guy off the street? Hey, wait a minute. What do you just throw him down the luge? Bang. World record. That was the punchline from Jerry Seinfeld. I was thinking about the question, though, from Pat Ward. I think if we're talking about a real bona fide sport and a very entertaining sport that is not included yet in the Olympics, although I saw some decision made by the IOC that put it closer to possibly qualifying as an Olympic sport in the future, but lacrosse came to mind. Men's and women's lacrosse. Great, great game. High intensity. A lot of skill. Part of the question might be, are there enough lacrosse 
relevant countries to really have competition? Or would it just be America crushing anyone else who tried to field a lacrosse team? I don't know. I think there's lacrosse in Canada, but you would need some critical mass of countries for lacrosse to really qualify and be interesting. But it's a great sport. That was my answer. I don't know if you've got one, Christine. Um, what about motorsports? How come motorsports are not part of the Olympics? Like race car driving or some sort of motorcycle, you know, yeah. race. How come we've never done that? I'm going to make people angry with this, but I don't no. really consider them sports. <gasps> oh, he didn't mean that, folks. He didn't mean I that. Mean, I, I can understand why people would be into it. I'm not saying it doesn't take skill. I'm not saying there's no excitement. But you're using motorized vehicles to go around. It's not like a, a human sport, which I feel like is what the Olympics are about. That's, that's my take. That might be a scalding hot take. I don't know. I bet you a lot of you agree with me on that point. But others were gasping gasping and angrily turning off their radio. You can always send me a very kind note about this. You can send me a tweet, at Guy P. Benson, a direct message on Instagram, also, at Guy P. Benson, if you're a big NASCAR person or whatever. Motocross, is that the name of the, I don't even, of the, quote, sport? Will you watch the opening ceremony tonight, Christine, when it re-airs? I will. We will watch tonight. Uh, I have no plans. So, uh, little Mama's Juice, little Olympics. I would like Megan to watch the opening ceremonies because this would be really the first Olympics that she could, you know, we could talk to Remember. her about and she would understand. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I th- yeah. I think that's I think that's fair. And I have very early memories of watching Olympics. I remember watching some of the 1992 Olympics. I was seven, mm-hmm. so I was roughly her age. We were in. France, actually, at the time. The games, if I'm not mistaken, were in Barcelona that summer, and we would watch on, we had this rented house with some friends, my parents' friends, and we would watch the Olympics, and that's something that still sticks with me many years later. Oh my gosh, almost 30 years later. That is scary. Well, don't forget the 1996 Olympics in Atlanta. Atlanta, yep. I mean, that gymnastics dream team, you know, they were everything to someone of my age back then. So, you know, I loved watching it. Loved it. Yeah, no, I I watch bits and pieces of every Olympics. I'm sure I will do it again this year. I'm not anti-Olympics by any stretch of the imagination. Go Team USA and all of it. I want to hear the U.S. anthem as often as possible. Go and win, Team USA. It's just like the anticipation is a little off, but a lot of things are a little off these days. With COVID, it's just, it's a strange time. You can't put your finger exactly on it, but we all know, it's all just there. What is not off is that it's the weekend. The weekend has arrived. Have a really nice, relaxing weekend. I'm excited for my trip. I'll report back about Idaho on Monday. We'll be back here with a brand new show. Until then, have a great night. USA. That was this week's edition of Bonus Benson. For more Guy Benson Show, go to GuyBensonShow.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, everybody. It's Brian Kilmeade. I want you to join me weekdays at 9 a.m. East as we break down the biggest stories of the day with some of the biggest newsmakers and, of course, what you think. Listen live or get the podcast now at BrianKilmeadeShow.com. The Will Cain Show is now dropping five episodes a week. Join Fox and Friends weekend host Will Cain as he tackles the latest headlines from his unique perspective, along with thought-provoking interviews with leading figures and live calls from viewers and listeners. Listen wherever you download your favorite podcasts. Listen to the show ad-free on Fox News Podcast Plus, on Apple Podcasts, Amazon Music with your Prime membership, or subscribe wherever you get your podcasts.